special guest today. Absolutely special. I know I've said that a million times before, but I'd like to introduce you to Captain Dale Dye. How are you, sir? I'm good, Jason, and thanks for taking a few moments to talk with me today. Yes, I really appreciate this. Uh, we set this up a little while ago, and I've been I've been waiting. So uh, here we are. We're chatting. Uh, my, <laughs> first, <laughs> my first introduction to you was when in the 1980s in Platoon. And that was uh, that that movie changed my life. I think between that and uh, some of the other movies in the, in the 80s kind of pointed my path in the direction of joining the Army. Granted, Platoon was supposed to be one of these movies that was maybe not to point you in a direction in the Army, but it was there was something about it. What was that like yeah, for there, you? Was that your first one? Uh, no, it wasn't actually my first one, but it was my first one where I was allowed to do things my way in a movie. And, you know, I, I started operating from an agenda, and that was simply to shine some long overdue and much-deserved light on the men and women who wear our uniform. Uh, Platoon, I, I, had a, I had a feeling, I mean, the generic military movie I'd seen all my life, just the common denominator was they pissed me off. Um, they weren't us. They didn't talk like us. They didn't think like us. They didn't act like us. They didn't look like us. And and I knew that there must be a way to correct that, and and my Marine training told me that the way to correct it uh, was to train those folks, to make them live a little bit of our life, to make them walk a kilometer or two in our shoes. Um, and, and so they'd begin to understand, and that understanding would permeate their performance. Um, and And I was given an opportunity to prove that with Platoon. Now, you know, I've... I've heard similar comments from guys about Platoon, and uh, and I think it was a brutal, raw, unfiltered, and unfettered look at an infantryman's life in the jungle fighting uh, in in uh, Vietnam. Now there were warts in that, and there were elements of that, uh, as written and directed by Oliver Stone, that that didn't cast necessarily such a great light. Uh, on some of the soldiers. But I think in the overview, if you look at it, it, it told the story of how Americans under intense pressure uh, and in, an, in a really unimaginably uh, indecipherable war where there weren't any absolute bads and any absolute goods and blacks and whites and so on and so forth, how those Americans coped with it. And I saw that um, as a, as a real chance to, to give America a look at her men uh, who, were, who fought that war. And I, I think the neat thing about it, and this is a much longer answer to a very short question, but, but what, what, what really impressed me at that moment when that little movie that we made for just less than $10 million, that's all we had, Wow. Um, won four Academy Awards. And, and what happened was that a lot of the ice 
that had built up in American society between America writ large and veterans of that war in Vietnam began to melt. It began to thaw. And folks who wouldn't have said word one about their service in Vietnam suddenly became to, uh, to use a, an improper term, sort of come out of the closet. They said, okay, look, I was there. I saw some of that. Why don't you, mom and dad and, and my sweetheart and my kids, why don't you go see it? And maybe you'll understand why I don't talk about it a lot. Uh, and, and, and what that showed me was the power of the medium uh, and how I could do bigger and better things if people would let me uh, do it my way uh, in terms of coaching and training the actors and, and so on and so forth. And, and of course, you know, in Hollywood, nothing succeeds like success. So with that, with that uh, Academy Award winning film under my belt, uh, I was able then to uh, carry on and expand what I do in motion pictures and television. And it's kind of been onward and upward uh, since then. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I believe that's where Warriors Inc. came from, wasn't it? Y- yeah, I, I had actually started Warriors Inc. Uh, as a kind of a tax dodge, really. Um, <laughs> I I set it up as a company, um, and then later, as we became uh, more successful, I was able to hire people, and I run it like a rifle company. I mean, we don't have a CEO. We have a commanding officer. Uh, we don't have a CFO. We have an adjutant. Uh, my executive officer is a guy who was with me as a young NCO in Vietnam, and, and we've hired people off and on uh, to do various projects. Uh, and and it's been it's been a great thing. We expanded it uh, beyond uh, movies and television and video games and music videos, uh, themed entertainment, and we also now run a Warriors Publishing Group, which publishes uh, books about the military and usually written by veterans. So it's it's been a, it's been a skylark. I'll tell you, it it took off like topsy. Well, that's one thing I wanted to mention too. Is Warriors Publishing is like you have books on now. Yeah, I've written thirteen novels, wow. uh, and they and they including a series that's kind of oh, it, I guess the the closest comparison would be Lee Child's Jack Reacher series. Um, so it's a continuing character, and uh, we've published some really terrific titles. Um, we have uh, John Del Vecchio's Thirteenth Valley reprint. And, and and about I think I think the last count was 24 or 25 titles out there, and and they really appeal to the veteran audience. Uh, they can come to Warriors Publishing Group uh, online and see all these great books, either by veterans or about uh, military topics in general. And uh, and what we've found here is that we've got a tiger by the tail. I mean, we're uh, we're doing quite well in this uh, in this age of e-publishing and so on and so forth. Well, that's one thing, you know, I, I wrote a, a, a nonfiction book. I'm writing another nonfiction, but I'd love to get into the fiction realm. And one thing I love is I've had a ton of really good authors on the podcast and the realism, and a lot of them are veterans, uh, Navy SEALs, uh, Delta, all sorts of good guys that are just writing good books now. And that's the thing yeah. about the militaries. When you're writing these books, there's such a sense of realism about it. Yeah, there is. And, and, you know, um, what I'd really like to see and, and what I opt for, uh, you know, I've had about all the high speed, low drag Ranger Delta stuff I can stomach. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, not that they not that they aren't great things, but geez, they get all the limelight. Mm-hmm. What I want is a book by a squad leader. You know, a, a yeah. guy who who just got out there with with average Joes and and did what he had to do, um, and did it brilliantly. Uh, and and I look for those kind of books. And that's what we need right now. There's there's such a huge influx. And I shouldn't say huge because only like a certain percentage of, of us have ever served in a war. But there are so many mm-hmm. vets that are getting into the media now, um, into writing books, into TV shows, yeah. into act, everything. And, you know, Range 15 is, is one great example of, of initiatives. And you were a part of that. Well, I hope so. Uh, I, I never intended to be an actor, but uh, but I've always I've always had a creative bent. Um, I mean, for all the years I was in uniform, um, you know, I was I was always the guy around the campfire um, or around the ration cooker who could tell you a shaggy dog story and make it last for forty five minutes and entertain the hell out of everybody. That was always me. And I guess it's my Irish heritage uh, storyteller background, but but uh, it it served me well in in what I finally wound up doing uh, once I retired. Retired being a euphemism, I think I've tried to retire three times and have yet to do it. So that's my uh, my second career is coming up, and hopefully I'll be doing this podcasting stuff and all that. But yeah, it's, as and that's one of the military things about us: we just can't stand still. I don't know if it's yeah, just one of those, you have to find a new mission and you just, the new mission turns into like Warriors Inc., Warriors Publishing. So it's, it's really well, cool. Well, look, we've, we've, we've all got a very low boredom factor, Jason. I mean, you know from your time in uniform that anytime we get bored, we get in trouble. Uh, so, so the big thing to do is, <laughs> is find something that tickles the hell out of you and do it. Now, you bring a different perspective, and that's one thing I always liked about whenever I see you're associated with a movie. Um, one of the biggies for me was later on was the uh, the Band of Brothers series and how you kind of whip those guys up into – it felt such – you know, between the book and between you and everything else, it just had this – you could tell there was a military, a real military influence behind it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was, I was very lucky. I had, I had three weeks and Spielberg and Hanks. Uh, behind me and 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 they had been fans of my earlier work so they let me do it my way and I did uh you know I went as so far as to take them up to uh, RAF Bryce Norton uh, the British uh, number 2 parachute school and and run them through ground uh, ground school and and I built them into easy company and you know an interesting aspect of that that, that nobody usually talks about but I'm going to tell you because now I have a platform <laughs> Um, I, before I ever trained the first American in that series, I trained a unit of Germans. And, and the reason I did that is because I believe that in movies and in television, if the enemy is just cartoon characters, cardboard cutouts who were there just to disappear in a pink mist, um, if, if you go that route, you've really ratcheted down the jeopardy. I mean, it looks like we're fighting clowns. Uh, and I said, you know, that that's, wasn't true at all in any of the wars I had any association with. and certainly wasn't true with the German army in, in World War II. And so I trained them uh, to be hard, tough, intelligent, tactically sound fighters. Uh, 
And those are the guys we use throughout the series. You know, that I'm glad you brought something else like that up because you always look at, you know, if you ever watch any like the, the cheesy action movies, the enemies mm-hmm. is like this faceless guy who you're killing. There's no anything about it, but that band of others absolutely had like a great, not to say that the enemy's bad or good or whatever, but they had a great yeah. enemy in that movie. Like you just didn't know what was going to happen, whether it's a sniper, yeah. whether it's a platoon or, or whatever. Those guys were really. Yeah. And I, out. yeah, I intended that. And I did the same thing with saving private Ryan and uh, with the Pacific where we trained a unit of Japanese, uh, Imperial Japanese Army troops. Um, and and that's, that's one of the little aspects that I bring to a film or a television series um, that, that I think nobody really gave a lot of thought to before. No, absolutely not. And when you put a human face behind the enemy, you could either love him or hate him, or there's something there. It adds that maybe but that's you why can't underestimate it. Absolutely not. Yeah. And that's what we can't yeah. do nowadays either. Jeez. That's right. Well, one thing is, uh, you're, one thing I really like is you're actually putting a face on veterans now, and especially the post-Vietnam era, but even nowadays. And one of the programs I'm involved with is this program called Hill Vets. And what we do is we um, we try to trans- we work in the transition veterans to work on you know Capitol Hill and and politics and everything. And one of the things we're working on right now is to merge the gap between media, television, and everything, and veterans. Because right now, you know, anytime a veteran does anything, it's like, oh, they have PTSD, they're a killer, etc. And that, I'm sure that's the same thing it was like when you came back from the war. Oh, it was, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, here, here's the difference. And, and if there's one thing that I would credit my generation for, my, my Vietnam veteran generation, it's that the bad example um, that we were kind of forced to set has created a knee-jerk reaction. Let me explain that to you a little bit. I'm sure you know it, but I'm going to explain it anyway. Um, we, When we came home, it was one of the most divisive times in our nation's uh, social history. Um, you were either uh, either ignorant of the war intentionally or you hated it or you, you were a big hawk. And, and the, the nation was just turbulent and divided with all kinds of things. And so when we came home, there certainly were no victory parades or anything like that. Um, and because nobody wanted to talk about it, uh, a lot of my generation of veterans just kept that stuff inside. And, and in the long run, it ate holes in their guts. And they started self-medicating and, mm-hmm. and with drugs or alcohol and, and things like that. And, and that was a really bad thing for an entire generation of Americans. And so uh, once we came out of that closet uh, with the advent of platoon and a number of other things uh, and the, the so-called national welcome home, I, I use that term euphemistically, mm-hmm. but uh, once, once we came out and started talking about it, the one absolute bottom line that we all said to ourselves writ large uh, was that we will never let this happen again to another generation of American veterans. And I think uh, a lot of us, uh, certainly me and my friends have worked to avoid that. Um, You know, I I think there's way, way too much crapola about PTSD. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's easy money for some people and that's a shame. Um, but but there is a there is a psychological effect to having been at war, um, 
and and the best way to treat that, the best way to to um, to assuage some of that uh, psychological trauma is simply to talk about it. You know, don't hold it inside. Um, look, I hear it from a hundred veterans a week. Uh, I can't talk to my wife, or I can't talk to my mom and dad, or I can't talk to my old high school buddies who didn't go uh, because they they just don't get it. And anything I say is misinterpreted and and so on and so forth. And I say, well, then don't tell them, tell me and tell some of the other guys who were there with you. They're easy to find Christ. You stand in line at the DMV and you can Mm -hmm. spot them. I can't, you know, and I just go up and pinch their elbow and say, Hey bud, (laughs) guess what? I get it. You know, and he'll laugh and, and we'll start talking and maybe we'll have coffee or we'll just, BS while we're waiting in line, but but it's like they're back in uniform again. They're talking to a guy who gets it. We can shorthand so many things, and I think that's so healthy. And I encourage everybody to do it. I do too, and I, I kind of call it almost like a grassroots thing because you know if I'm ever having a tough day, it, you know it goes 24, 48 hours where I just go, hey, you know, I just want to bullshit with someone. But I'm yeah. not going to call a one eight hundred number. But if I could no. now with the influx of, <clears throat> excuse me. With the influx of social media and phones, I could text them. Yeah. You know, I could sure. hit someone and, up. And, you know, yeah, you can. And and you know what? Look, I, I applaud all of these efforts, you know, scuba diving for veterans mm-hmm. and guitars for veterans and nature hikes for veterans and horseback riding for – and yada, yada, yada. That's all good stuff. And, and I'm glad people are – socially conscious enough to do that sort of thing for our veterans. But what really helps is if they can talk to another guy who gets it and they don't have to know him from Adam's off ox. Mm-hmm. All they have to know is that he's been there and he's done that. It's so and suddenly easy, they'll you know? unburden. Yeah. 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 It's like, this, it, and it's true. This brotherhood, sisterhood or whatever is just so easy. And you're right. You could you could spot the vet in the crowd just like I could spot the LEOs in the crowd and veterans and everything. <laughs> and, but you if you have an instant uh, kinship and you could just talk about whatever. And sometimes sure. you just need to vent for ten minutes and then you're good for another whatever day. Yeah, you're good. You're good for a month. Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean, and I do it all the time when I'm on the road. I spot these guys. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's hard to break away from them after it starts, uh, and and I don't mind. I give them as much time as I can. But but look, that us us veterans, uh, and I use the term to cover a lot of eras. But us veterans, you know, the guys who've seen the elephant and heard the owl. Um, one of the kindest and most helpful things we can do is just find another guy riding the bus, you know, or on the train, or or God preserve us inside, you know, the, the I-95 circle in Washington. You can find those guys. And you just you just say, hey, man, where'd you serve? And, he, oh, n- never mind, I did yeah. too, and then you start. And then the next thing you know, he'll start telling you, and, and on it goes. And they walk away smiling. And that's all it takes, you know. Maybe yeah. sometimes that'll save someone's life. It's almost like a ripple effect. You help them out, yeah. maybe they'll help another guy roll out, and it just keeps going that's, on. That's it. That's it. Directly on the nailhead, Jason. You're right. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's and that's one thing. Look at the effect your movies and your participation in movies has affected millions of veterans and those currently serving. I mean, that's such a huge thing. 
you know, and that's well, why we I, all, you know, I hear him tell me that. So I hope it's true. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely true. You know, growing up, we didn't have, um, and I shouldn't say I'm not crazy old. I'm closer to 50 than 40, but growing up, I didn't have social media and, and I used to just grasp. And that's why I liked the platoons and, and all the movies were a big, huge influence. And that's like, it was so hard to find any books that had anything. And you're right. All the books back then and uh, were all basically uh, long range reconnaissance, uh, a couple of Marine books. I read the Hackworth books, but there was hardly any, anybody that was like, you know, a squad leader putting out a book. And now I'm like, I like seeing that, you know, platoon books are coming out, not like platoon books, but, um, you have Outlaw yeah. Platoon by Sean Parnell. You're having regular guys coming out and writing good books, you know, about the yeah, wars that are going on now. The problem, the problem is finding publishers, and and, yeah. and you know because the, the people who are publishers are, I mean, in New York, the people who are reading and making mm-hmm. accept or reject decisions are clueless. Um, oh, and and they're, they're 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 completely tone deaf to an entire generation of Americans who fought in Afghanistan and and uh, uh, Iraq and and Syria and on and on and on. That's why I started Warriors Publishing Group. I'm not tone deaf to that sort of thing. Nor is nor are the people who are our fans who look for those books and buy them from us. And you know, with the publishing market now, you don't need a huge clearinghouse. You have Ingram Sparks, no, you have Amazon Publishing. Yeah. You know, I put my yep. book through Ingram Sparks, and it's like it's in Barnes and Noble, it's in everywhere I want it to be. Um, and it's true. If anybody yeah. out there wants to write a book, check out Warrior Publishing, uh, Warriors Publishing. Yeah. I mean, we're talking service members and stuff because we need good. It, when you put your story on paper, it's a new world, and it, sometimes it that's is, all man. the therapy and you need. It can be therapeutic, Jason. It really can. Um, I, uh, we, we just now are, are you still with me? Yes, I'm right here. Okay. Um, I heard, I heard some weird, probably the NSA is monitoring. Oh, it's but, absolutely uh, the NSA. It's <laughs> 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 my wife and her FBI uh, buddies right now are listening, you know. Yeah, probably so. Uh, but, but what I did, you know, I, I took a look and, and I said, the, we need a venue here. You know, we need, somebody that that isn't the new york publishing establishment to step up and say these are worthy stories um and look not not everybody's a great writer um and and i can't fix bad writing um but i recognize good stories and there are so many of them out there i mean uh that 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 experience of being at war or even wearing the uniform uh changes your whole perspective your whole mm-hmm. life and and if you can just tell that story, I mean, look, it's it's therapeutic. Um, you can you can simply you know start knocking those out and see if you're a writer. Maybe you aren't, uh, but just the business of of writing that story, telling it to yourself, if nobody else, um, gives you gives you a fresh perspective on life. I think, and that's valuable. Oh, I agree completely. And I always tell people when they're when they're starting to write a book. Don't write it like you're writing from A to B to C. Don't write it like you're gonna like you're attacking an objective. Write it from hey, one day you want to write about A, write about A. If you want to write about B, write yeah. about D. Break it up and yeah, you can string it all together, together later. Thing. Yeah, yeah. For write, just <laughs> write. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's you know I'm so uh, I'm so happy we talked about that because you know I've I've queried a million different agents and they just they just don't want to hear the stories that sometimes. Um, 
military or law enforcement authors have to say. <laughs> so it's just, it's not, it's a great uh, perspective to have this out there for everybody. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true, you know, and, and when you start, don't write for anybody but yourself. Uh, those things that you're remembering and talking about are probably significant things. And, and, and what you want to understand is that they're so far out of the realm of the average individual these days mm-hmm. that they make, they make a, you know, if nothing else, they make a great curiosity. Yeah. And so, and, yeah, and, and so people take a look at them. And, you know, maybe the book's going to not just going to help you out, but it's going to help someone else out. And, you know, yeah. you can read a book yeah. and like, you know, nowadays you can read a book in a day or two. So people sure, are always right. grasping for more books. So you could always keep writing because everybody wants books. There's plenty of room yeah. for everybody out there. Yeah, there is. I think I think the the New York publishing establishment is on its last legs, mm-hmm. and uh, and and they keep going to this day with with uh, big name authors like. You know the people, the people who are ghostwriting Clancy now, and mm-hmm. and Lee Child, and, and all of all of those guys who are known thriller writers. Um, that's where they go. And a guy okay. who isn't that, and and goes to New York and tries to get published, is in a long uphill slog. Dale, I really appreciate you coming on. Now, do you have any charities sure. or causes or anything you want to? You want to talk to? I've got them all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anything right now look, that we need to support that we should support? Uh, I, I, look, I'm 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 a big believer in in the work that's being done, um, sort of behind the scenes with the VFW yeah. and the American Legion. Mm-hmm. I think I think they they have a long history of of uh, helping veterans and and providing good information and 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 uh, good practical help. So I I kind of I kind of go with the with the established guys. Although I'll help anybody that I think has a good cause. Yeah, I've noticed that about you. You do you really? I mean, you just keep giving back, and that's that's a, the big reason I really wanted to have you on as one of my guests. Because you know, like I said, you're one of my my childhood uh, heroes, and you're one of my heroes now <laughs> as an adult. So you know how old <laughs> that makes me feel, Jason. Oh, I, you know what? <laughs> You know, what have we got? A thirty something year difference? No, it's not that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's and you know, much. I'm still out there doing PT. And, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I got to. Um, I got to outrun those young maggots, and uh, it's awesome. And and I got to keep it so that you know all they want to do is stay up with the white haired guy, and they're all right. So I love it. Well, next time I'm out your way, I'll, I'll stop by and buy you a cup of coffee or something like that. Yeah, terrific. Love to do that. Well, sir, I really appreciate this, and uh, thank you so much for coming on. Sure, Jason. It's my pleasure, and, and thanks for the work you do. I mean, look, things like podcasts as well as publishing and movies and television and so on and so forth, they're all part of the big effort. They're all part of that big blanket of brotherhood that, that we share as veterans. Um, so keep it up. You're doing a good job. Thank you, sir.